Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I live in Georgia, in a rural town not so far from a major city. There's a set of woods that's behind our house, and it divides into two neighborhoods, and it's about a mile wide, if that. Strange occurrences have always surrounded these woods. Small things like random trash, tarps, etc. I should mention, too, that it's more swampy marsh than woods, so it makes camping in there pretty much impossible. One night, I was taking our dog out. He stays in the back half of the house due to him not liking the other dogs. I took him out the side door and walked around the house to the fence. And for some reason, when we left the house, he was absolutely terrified. He didn't want to go out, which was very unusual for a dog who's quick to snatch someone's soul if prompted. Just thinking that he was acting a bit weird, we pushed onward. After he tinkled, we walked back, and this is when I noticed it, or perhaps rather heard it, I think. A crunching of leaves. At first, I thought that it was one of our dozen cats on the property, and until I realized that it was matching my steps. Like, if I walked, you could hear it walking. If I stopped, it stopped too. There's a small clearing between the woods where one of the sheds is too, and that's when we saw it. My dog was the first to see something, and then I saw some... I don't really know how to explain it, but... creature. It was taller than the shed, so maybe a good eight feet tall, and it darted across the clearing at a crazy fast speed. My dog, who again isn't scared of anything, bolts so fast that I dropped his leash and he ran to the door whining. I was quickly behind him too, and once we were inside, I quickly bolted the door and ran to tell my girlfriend what happened. 
She immediately wanted to investigate, saying that it's probably a woodland creature. Armed with two flashlights, we went out the front door, and as we walked towards the wood line, we could hear something moving around. It sounded maybe 200 yards away if I had to guess. But as we scanned with our flashlights, we saw nothing, but kept hearing it. Then we heard it get closer and closer, until it was maybe 20 feet away, I would guess. Still nothing, though. No eyes, not even an animal call, just rustling. My girlfriend, now scared, heads for the house, and I decided to check with the neighbors to see if maybe one of their many dogs got out. When I arrived at his house, my neighbor, who his name is Dave, explained that all his dogs were accounted for. Curious, though, he came to investigate with me. And this is when I noticed that whatever this thing was followed me along the wood line to Dave's house and was now behind Dave's house. Gun in hand now, we went into his backyard scanning for, well, anything really. We could hear it rustling or maybe running, but we still couldn't see anything. About a hundred yards away now in thick swampy woods, way too thick for a person to walk in, let alone run in. But then... All of a sudden, it just stopped. It was dead silent now, and scanning on the edge of where we were, we see nothing. And then, all of a sudden, it was five feet in front of us, sprinting at me. It slammed the fence so hard that it rocked it back and forth. Dave, now terrified, shot randomly at, well, nothing. Because, truthfully, we never saw it. Again, as I mentioned, the woods are thick, too thick to run in, so what the heck teleported silently in front of us and slammed the gate like that? Spooked now, we were about to run, but then we heard it again, and this time it sounded like it was talking, maybe. It was sort of human in nature, but not English. It sounded... I don't know. I don't want to sound crazy, but alien-like? Not a language that I recognize, that's for sure, but then again, I don't know many languages. And Dave, he heard it too. He's a hunter for like the last 40 years, and still to this day, he can't explain what that was. Anyway, after we heard that, that was enough, and we bolted. He covered me, and I ran to my house, not 10 minutes later, we both heard a loud explosion coming from the woods. It shook our houses and flickered our power, in fact, and I ran outside to see what it was, and of course there was nothing again. But when Dave came out and confirmed that he felt the same thing, we were both once again terrified because it meant that we weren't imagining this. Moments later, a few strangers from the neighborhood came driving down to our cul-de-sac and they all agreed the blast sound that they heard came from behind our house. 911 was called and the two police officers interviewed us separately. Our stories matched and the responding officers refused to go anywhere near those woods. Probably because they're marshland, like I said. They took the report though and they left and to this day we're still not sure what the encounter was. Also, these days, Dave just doesn't go outside at night anymore because it spooked him that bad. I'm sorry if this is a poorly told story, I'm not the best at it, but I can assure you that everything that I've just told you is true.
I was hiking the CDT in Colorado about uh, maybe a day north of Dillon, Silverthorne, and was crossing a deep little creek that was giving me trouble. Another guy caught up to me and found a better crossing a little off the trail, so I used it, talked to the guy for a bit, and walked another mile or so and set up my camp. The other guy did too, though. In the morning, I left early and hiked up a steep slope and along a ridge where the other guy caught up to me and stuck with me like glue. He started talking about hiking the rest of the trail together, but I didn't want to, and I said that I had stuff to do off the trail at various places further along. But this guy, he just didn't get it and started saying that we could save money buying food together and planning meals and stuff. I said that I was fine how I was and was a picky eater anyway. I started changing my pace, going faster and slower, but whatever I did, I just couldn't get rid of this guy. Now, there's a brutal road walk past Pettingill Peak that climbs up a pass toward a mountain and I bolted up there, but... The guy was killing himself trying to keep up and started telling me that I was being mean and should wait for him so we could hike together. I wanted nothing to do with this guy though and I just kept going. But as I was hiking around the peak, I stopped for a few seconds to grab some food and yep, he caught up again. He started saying that I was lucky that he caught up in time for us to set up camp together and started saying that it would make more sense if we just set up one tent and shared it so there's less work and it would be warmer. I have a one-person lightweight tiny tent, mind you. So I just grabbed my pack and I left. Went back around and straight down the mountainside to a forestry road with this guy following me again. It got dark and hard to see, but I was on the forestry road by then and heading into Winter Park. A few miles before town, there was a forest fire and some forestry crews working on it. They were all back at their camp just off the road, so I went to them and asked if I could put up my tent just behind them in a clearing. A few minutes later, I saw the other guy go past. I was jumpy and a little bit scared after that and got off the trail in Grand Lake for a few days, went to Denver and bummed around, got back on the trail and was a little bit paranoid at first but didn't see the guy again and when I asked other hikers if they'd seen him, nobody recognize the description. I'm 6'2 and 200 pounds, but man, I'll take wild animals over that guy any day. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
This happened back in the summer of 2015 when I was serving in the United States Army Reserves. I was stationed in southern Alabama in a transportation company. Sometimes, my girlfriend would come with me on drill weekends and we would crash at a friend of hers apartment, which is where this incident took place. So, this particular weekend, we were in a large convoy in the middle of nowhere, on some back road out in the sticks well over 100 miles from the city. That was when I got the most just confusing, bizarre and downright creepy phone call of my young life. She was in utter hysterics. She was crying and screaming, wondering why I would frighten her so badly. She was asking me what my problem was and how I even pulled it off. After I was finally able to calm her down, this is the story that she relayed to me. Sometime that afternoon, her friend was at work and she was at the apartment by herself. Suddenly, there was a loud bang at the door, not a knock, several loud, violent bangs, she said. After looking through the peephole, she saw me, but there was something off. She says that I was wearing my army uniform. It looked like me, but it had this very angry or aggravated look on my face. She opened the door, wondered why I was home so early, and apparently without saying a word, I just angrily blew past her, shoulder checking her into the wall and quickly walked down the hall taking a left into the bedroom, slamming the door behind me so hard that the whole place shook. She was obviously very alarmed and confused about why I was home so early and in such an agitated state. I mean, that was really out of character for me. I am not a violent guy at all, and on top of that, if something did happen to set me off, she would have been the first to hear about it. So she's walking behind me, trying to get some information out of me, and she opens the bedroom door behind me and sees the closet door slammed shut. She proceeds to run over to see what I was doing in her friend's closet and claims that when she opened the door, it was completely empty. That was when she had a panic attack and called me. Now, imagine my shock and confusion hearing that story knowing that I was well over a hundred miles away at the time. She finally believed me after I sent her a photo with my current GPS location, which only served to freak her out even more. To be honest though, I thought that there must be some kind of rational explanation for what she saw. I will be honest though and say that she did smoke a little weed here and there, but at the time I know that she was sober. She didn't mess around with hard drugs or anything, or, or drink, and she had no mental illness of any kind. And over the years since that happened, I have come to learn about a phenomenon called doppelgangers. I don't know what they mean, or what they represent, or why they come around. All I know is that it's really creepy. And a girl that I dated for several years came face to face with mine, and it put the fear of God into the poor girl. Take from this story what you will, and honestly, I, I don't really care if anyone believes me or not. I just have to get it off my chest because it's bugging me. Thanks for listening, though, even if I'm not a great storyteller. So my boyfriend and I were backpacking in Yosemite last week. We were trying to make it to Little Yosemite Valley after having to turn back on our original trial due to ice. We didn't get to Little Yosemite due to our late start and had to illegally camp above Vernal Falls. But here's where it gets weird. 
Full disclosure too, I had taken an edible weed gummy before bed. I usually take one and a half, but only took one and don't really think this is the reason for what happened, but who knows, maybe. Anyway, shortly after falling asleep, I felt this weird sensation like an electric zap on one temple. I felt it move through my brain and out the other temple, and it jolted me awake so suddenly and harshly that I was sort of taken aback. I know it sounds crazy, but... I was freaked, wrote it off as a really strange dream, I think, and just started to fall back to sleep. As I laid down, I noticed I had a slight feeling of pressure in the back of my eyes. Shortly after I fell back asleep, I was once again abruptly awoken by an electric zap-type feeling, this time on the back of my thighs. As I was waking, my legs twitched like you would imagine with some sort of an electric surge, and I had a tingling feeling in my thighs. At this point, I was really weirded out and stayed awake staring at the ceiling of the tent, trying so hard to make sense of it. As I laid there, my body was slightly twitching, starting at my ankle, then my leg, then my shoulder, all on the right side. I remember having the thought that it feels like I'm a robot that's being worked on and my mind wandered to the idea of what if I'm actually in a pod or a lab somewhere and the world is all a simulation. That thought may have been the gummy for sure, but I thought about waking my boyfriend, but worried that I would sound crazy, so I hesitantly let myself just fall back asleep, hoping that it wouldn't happen again. But I was shortly awoken by another zap in my lower abdomen that felt like it caused a sort of contraction. At this point, I was so scared and certain that I wasn't dreaming or imagining it, and immediately woke up my boyfriend, terrified, saying that I keep feeling like I'm being electrocuted. I told him everything, and he pet my head, told me that it was okay, and, as he later told me, spent some time praying. Neither of us are religious or anything, so it was a bit weird, but he's a lot more spiritual than I am, I think. At this time, I also noticed a weird feeling in my abdomen that hadn't been there before this last shock. I eventually had to pee but was too scared to leave the tent alone so I asked him to walk out with me. And when I got out there, you guys, I could honestly barely walk. I was stumbling around and falling over as if I was just off my face but we hadn't even had a sip of alcohol that day or night or anything. I'm also an experienced backpacker so I don't think it would have been overworked muscles or anything and a gummy has never had any impact on my ability to walk like that. In any case I stumbled my way to a rock to lean on and fell once or twice before managing to prop myself up to pee then go back in the tent without much issue. Thankfully nothing really weird happened after that but the difficulty walking really made me feel like something strange had happened that night. Funnily enough too, I felt completely normal and fine the next day, apart from being thoroughly weirded out of course. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Let me start by saying that I'm a 14-year-old male student from England. This happened to me back in September of 2020. 
Now, I had been decently acquainted with a girl called Olivia since the end of primary school. She was not a good-looking girl by any means. At the time that this happened, she was actually pretty, well, overweight. This will come into play later, too. Around 5'5", and she had a really horrible sense of humor as well. But basically, she was the complete opposite of me. One day, though, on the first week back after the UK's first lockdown, she started following me on Instagram. Of course, I didn't find it any more than normal at the time, but that was the start of a really strange, creepy ordeal. She would send me DMs most days, asking how I was, what I was doing, that sort of thing. It went on like this for around 10 days, and I didn't find this too creepy at the time. I had no idea how much worse it would get. After a while, she would constantly DM me at least 10 times every few hours, each one stranger than the next as well. She would start by saying how cool I was, which struck me as weird as I was pretty much the definition of a nerd and still am today, and how I was perfect. She would constantly remind me that she dreams about me every night, and she wants to run away with me. That was when something finally clicked in my brain, and I realized just how strange this was getting, and I blocked her. And for a few days, that actually worked. Before, she made a new account. At first, it was the same as last time. Just the same odd messages about her loving me, but then it changed. It changed to her going on rants about how nobody liked her. Gee, I wonder why as well. And how she was going crazy without me. The weirdest one, though, was when she messaged me talking about how she was stress-eating everything that she could find because she was going crazy over love. This was getting too much now, and I told my parents who told me to put my Instagram account on private and tell them if anything else happened. Strangely enough, it worked. She had completely stopped everything. The creepy DMs, the new accounts, everything. So, fast forward a month or so to the middle of the night... I was going up the hill that I live on to the supermarket to get some things for Halloween and stuff when I saw a girl around my age crossing the street towards me. I looked at her for one second before realizing that through the hood over her head, it was Olivia. You see, I had been homeschooled by a private tutor for the last month to avoid her, so I was surprised that I saw her, but I did. Instincts kicked in immediately and I'm running up the hill. I heard Olivia mumble something under her breath before attempting to run after me. I might have been a nerd, but I was kind of in good shape at the time, so I was able to get to the supermarket at least 30 seconds before her. I immediately went to an employee who thankfully stepped in before she got there. She was extremely out of breath from running up the hill maybe 50 meters. The employee grabbed her and went to a phone. He called the police and told them my story, also mentioning a knife in her pocket, which... I didn't see at the time. During this time, she was just staring straight at me too. I could clearly see now that there was something wrong with her. She had clearly stuck to her word of eating everything that she could find as I could see that she had gained at least another well, 20 kilos, I think. Her hair was longer and messier. Her clothes were just so tiny that you could see the bottom of her belly sticking out of the bottom of her hoodie and... She had a really sort of crazed, deranged look about her. When the police came to take her away, she stared me straight in the face and said one of the most haunting things of my life. She said, just so you know, 
I never loved you. You're lucky I'm so overweight because if I wasn't, I would have caught you and slit your throat. Thank God that that was the last time that I ever saw her. I started going back to school and my life slowly went back to normal. But obviously, that's not something that you forget easily. I guess if there's anything to learn from this story, then it's to never judge a book by their cover because you never know if they're just a crazy psycho like that girl. This happened after I went to university, so I was 18. I made an effort to make friends after I moved onto campus and ended up with a few groups to hang out with, including a new girlfriend and plenty of people from my classes that I liked well enough. But there was one class before lunch where it was traditional for people to go to the cafeteria afterwards to eat in pairs or threes. I wasn't very discerning about who I'd have lunch with because I got on fine with most people from the class and we were all trying to make an effort to be social. So when one girl, Lily, asked if I wanted to eat lunch together after that class, I didn't have any reason not to go. We talked about school and that kind of thing. Nothing noteworthy, but she did ask me to get lunch with her again the next week. It became a pattern and there wasn't exactly a way to start saying no suddenly. It was fine though, but it did mean that I lost the chance to eat lunch with anyone else on those days. In hindsight, I suppose that that was probably the point. Now, one day in class, I asked someone if I could add them on social media. This happened in front of Lily, and I saw her face jerk towards me from a couple of seats over. It was a sharp reaction that it was hard to ignore, and I still remember it. By the time that I got home later that day, Lily had sent me a friend request. No friends in common. I don't know how she even knew my last name. I was a bit surprised to be honest, but I guess that she just dug through the university social media pages and found me through there or something. It definitely gave me a bad feeling, but surely it was fine, right? She ended up messaging me a lot and commenting on anything that I posted, in fact, I told myself that she was just awkward and we became friends, if not close. I mean, I'd known worse people for sure. She still always got me to go and eat lunch with her after our one shared class. Other than that though, we rarely spent time together in person. Sure, I saw her around sometimes, but I never went out of my way to hang out with her or anything. So it was mostly online messaging and seeing each other in group settings. Coincidentally, my girlfriend was also called Lily. This was something that clearly bothered Lily as well. But not my girlfriend, who couldn't have found it less interesting. It was just a common name at the time. She occasionally hinted that she wanted my girlfriend to pick a different name or joked about her not suiting it. She clearly didn't like my girlfriend at all and I had no idea why. It was getting hard to ignore by this point too, but... Lily was starting to unsubtly hint that she had a crush on me. I tried not to address it because, I mean, what was I going to say? I mean, I've never really known what to do when a friend makes a pass at me, to be honest. I was also not interested in the least, and even ignoring the weird stuff that she pulled, Lily was just not my type at all. She tended to dress and act in a way somewhere between like a 50s housewife and one of those adults who's still obsessed with Disney princesses, if you can picture that. 
but things took uh, an uncomfortable turn on the day of our last shared class of that year. Instead of asking me to lunch like she always did, Lily asked if I'd go for a walk with her. Again, I didn't exactly know how to refuse, so I said alright. Our campus was bordered by a large part of woodland, and Lily led me into the woods, and the sounds of our fellow students slowly faded away. She sat down on a log, and I joined her. She started talking about how she was going to miss me over the summer. I tried placating her, but I didn't want to be there, especially because she seemed almost on the verge of tears. I think I tried to make an excuse about having plans with my girlfriend, but before I could leave, Lily chose to kiss me without warning. It was uncomfortable too, to say the least. I got out of there and was happy to think that I wouldn't see her for a while. I came back to university after the summer, moving into a house with my friends. Without going off topic too, there were some serious issues in my friend group. A lot of petty arguing and worse, and I broke up with my girlfriend around the start of that school year as well. And basically, the whole mess made me recontextualize things with Lily because it just suddenly didn't seem as bad. That said, I didn't want to be alone with her, that's for sure. But we mostly just talked online. I mean, she was still constantly messaging me after all. One upside of everything, though, is that I started dating a boy. Lily was not pleased to hear that I think she hoped to sneak in after I broke up with my girlfriend, but as I said before, that was never going to happen. There wasn't a big gap between my breakup and this new relationship too, so she must have thought that she missed her chance to be with me. But this is where the story gets weird. So at this time, I was fairly active on Tumblr. I occasionally talked about my life and mostly reblogged photos and stuff. I was on there one day too when something odd happened. One of the blogs that I followed had received an ask with some phrases that I recognized. It took me a second to register too that it was taken from my about page. And that made me freeze. I read the message properly as someone was asking this completely random person to analyze a section of text from my page, asking for their opinion on the type of person who would write it. I cannot stress how messed up it was to see people talking about me like I was a character in a book that they were trying to study. The reply was basically, I don't know, sorry, but the important thing was that the question hadn't been anonymous. It linked to someone's blog. Obviously, I wanted to know who had taken such a bizarre interest in me. As far as I knew, no one in real life other than my boyfriend knew about my page. Well... No prizes for guessing who was behind it. But what I found was creepy. It was like a shrine. She was using a fake name, but I recognized Lily all over that thing. It was this cutesy pink and red page. There were a few posts about her interests, but most of the content was focused on her primary interest, me. Most of the posts were about me. There were accounts of things that I'd done recently. Like, he told me about such and such, and he went to a nightclub recently, etc. As well as references to things from as far back as I'd known her, really. It was clear that she had been keeping tabs on me, both online and offline. Gathering up every scrap of information that she could about my life and hoarding it here in her creepy collection. 
She talked about us eating lunch together and how special our dates had been to her, as if it was anything more than acquaintance getting food after class. She talked about the time that she had forcibly kissed me in the woods, but wrote it off as if it had been mutual. She quoted lyrics from my favorite song and talked about how she'd always be there for me, no matter who else came into my life. There were lots of references to loving me just the way that he is, which answered another mystery about an anonymous love letter that I'd received earlier that year with the same wording. But it got worse. You see, there were a lot of posts about my boyfriend as well. But these weren't so nice. In fact, they got vicious, talking about how he didn't deserve me. He didn't know what he had. If she was with me, she'd be jealous of anyone else who came near me. So my boyfriend not being a jealous person meant that he didn't love me. It was angry and hateful and I didn't like to think about the sort of person who could write so obsessively being fixated on me. But one thing that didn't make any sense at first was that the blog also made plenty of references to Lily's best friend, Stephen. She had never mentioned this person to me. Her post talked a lot about Stephen and how great a friend he was and how much fun they had together, how he looked out for her, etc., I was trying to work out whether this was an online friend when one specific post made it all click. You see, she had posted a photo and captioned it with Stephen sent this to me. He knew that I would like it and I love it or something like that. The problem was that the photo, it was taken from my own page. I hadn't sent it to her. She took it from my page and then claimed that this fictional best friend of hers shared it with her because... In her head, she'd split me into two people or something. In her messed up fantasy life, I was both the perfect best friend who was always looking out for her and her soulmate who was bound to end up with her when I finally got over my sweet kind boyfriend and all the other easy girls I hung out with that she made dozens of posts complaining about. And who was she complaining to? Well, Lily, she had an audience. She asked open questions about me and her relationship with me and got messages back from her followers, people who took what she said at face value. I saw a bunch of random people agreeing with this stalker that my boyfriend didn't deserve me and that we were bound to break up soon so that I could be with Lily, the person that I was allegedly clearly supposed to be with. She had this fake fanfiction version of my life up for anyone to share their opinion on and she'd made herself out to be the hero of it all. I went maybe a month back into this page's history. I didn't look at everything that was there. It was too much, so I'm not sure how long this had actually been going on for. Needless to say, though, I sent Lily a message confronting her about the blog. She said nothing, and I cannot stress how weird it was to have found pages and pages dedicated to me with her talking about how she was in love with me and would make sure that we ended up together, slamming my boyfriend and building a fantasy life with two different versions of me in it that she clearly believed to be real, then acting like it hadn't happened. She said nothing. She didn't address it. She just changed the subject, even after I pushed. It was like she hadn't even registered what I'd said. I've never seen anything else like it. It was weird. She deleted the page, of course, or at least changed the name and hid it so I never found it again. But it wasn't the end, though. 
I wasn't going to hang out with her anymore, but we were still shoved together in classes and she had started actually to scare me with what she might do next. I'm kind of a paranoid person to be honest, and knowing that someone was obsessively keeping track of me for who knows how long really freaked me out. The next thing she tried to pull though was trying to seduce my boyfriend. It was an absolutely useless attempt that only made him uncomfortable. He told me about it right away, but what was her plan there? Did she hope to tell me that he cheated and waited for me to break up with him? Why would I want her after that? When that didn't work out for her, she tried hitting on three of my other friends. None of them took the bait, mind you, but she ended up dating one of my former housemates for a while, but she made sure to send me messages while they were together letting me know that she'd rather be with me. No thanks. Lily made sure to stay in my life the whole time that I was at university. There was a time when I tried to pull away from her and she ended up starting rumors about me and damaging a career opportunity that I put a lot of work into. I don't know what else she did behind my back, but it made me realize that it was safer to let her think that she was part of my life while just ignoring her, rather than doing something that would cause her to get angry like that. After I graduated, Lily still wanted to spend time together, but I knew that I didn't have to. I made excuses about work and barely talked to her after that point. I almost entirely stopped posting on social media that I knew she knew about. Of course, she didn't give up that easily. She tried to start conversations, asked me to meet up with her, attempts that I usually ignored. I didn't like to think that she was still tracking me online, but she probably was. I don't know how to, but she'd occasionally reference things that I mentioned online somewhere, somewhere she shouldn't have known about really. The last time that we had a real conversation though, she sent me a message out of nowhere. We hadn't spoken at all in months and we hadn't talked about anything serious in a much longer time than that. But thinking about that conversation though, it still makes my skin crawl. But I'll try and summarize what happened. So at first she asked me some questions about how long had I known that I was queer. I told her some basic stuff, the kind of thing like I'd tell anyone who asked. Then she changed the subject. She started talking about how I would feel about her if she was a boy, about wanting to be a boy for me. The messages quickly became fetishistic. She went into plenty of detail about the fantasies that she had of the two of us. Again, we were not friends at this point. We'd never been especially close, at least not from my perspective, and we'd barely spoken for years. But at this point, it was clear that we were not friends. I can't imagine sending messages like that to even a close friend, mind you, let alone someone who barely knows you. I tried telling her not to pull this on me, but she decided to change tactics. She sent photos of herself, followed by a bunch of messages, maybe four or five a minute, way too fast for me to reply before the next one arrived, basically quoting back what I told her about myself and my past earlier. She was telling me these things as if they had happened to her, she was role-playing as me. And the worst part was that she seemed to believe that it was real. That those things actually had happened to her, even when she was quoting me word for word. Things that I'd told her only hours before were now her life. It was like she was trying to absorb my history or something. To take it over. To make my life part of her. 
Yeah. I didn't talk to her again after that. I ignored future attempts that she made to talk to me and I eventually silently deleted her from the inactive social media which was her only way of really contacting me. I really thought that she might finally move on to be honest as well. But a few days ago she sent me a new friend request. It's sitting there unanswered because I know if I delete it she'll only send another one. Lily and I... We met nearly 12 years ago now, and his story is just the highlights, and even then, and even then, it's only the stuff that I know about for sure. A lot more happened behind my back, I know it did. Anyway, this is my life, and it's not what I wanted or asked for, but it's something that I just have to live with now. So, I was out doing some late night fishing in a small but deep hole on the side of the state road near my house. Every time that I fish there at night by myself, I worry about what would happen or what I would do if someone were to pull over next to me, but it's never really happened. Until now, that is. So, quick detour for the second story. I wasn't always like this. I used to fish by myself in the middle of the night all the time and without a care in the world. But there was one night about maybe 10 years ago now, which perhaps merits its own post, but I'll slide it in here and include it in this story anyways, where I was fishing off a seawall next to a bridge and a car pulls over next to me. Two young men, but older than I was at the time, got out. They walked up to me casually and asked me if I was catching anything. I told them no, not really. I wasn't really suspicious of them or anything. I thought that they were going fishing and just thought that they would ask if I was having any luck or not before pulling their gear out. Now, the bridge was a, a popular fishing spot. I was sitting on the cement seawall with my feet dangling over the edge. One of the men, though, suddenly shoves me off the seawall into the water. They both grab my fishing gear and take off in their car... The fall was only about 7 feet or so, a complete guess, but it was enough that I couldn't lift myself out of the water and up the cement wall. I had to swim around to where the water was more shallow so that I could climb up the wall. My mum had dropped me off that night and I was supposed to call her to pick me up later in the night, but my cell phone had gotten wet and would no longer work. To make matters worse, I was a smoker at the time going on two years without smoking or any other form of nicotine, which is good I suppose. But my cigarettes had also gotten wet, and as you can imagine, I really needed a cigarette. I didn't know what to do except to just, well, sit there until eventually my mum drove up randomly. She was furious too, until I explained what happened but I shudder when I think about how I, or anybody else that they did this to, could have actually died. These people had no idea whether or not I knew how to swim. I was, or am, a very strong swimmer, thankfully, but apparently they just didn't care. If they had seen on the news the next day that I had drowned under the bridge, would they put two and two together? Would they even care? Even if you assume everybody is a strong swimmer, the person could hit their head. There were a lot of rocks under the seawall, and be unconscious pretty quickly. And for what? 
$50 of cheap fishing gear. Anyways, clearly, ever since this night, 10-ish years ago, I've been much more cautious when I'm alone at night, but especially when I'm fishing alone at night. So, back to what actually happened tonight which triggered me to write this post. So I had, luckily, just finished up and loaded my car back up with all my gear. I was actually sitting in my car and making an Instagram post showing the fish that I caught. A couple of yellow bullhead catfish and some bluegill. I was trying to quickly write the post and then head home, so I was deep into the world of my phone, not really paying attention to anything else. Something causes me to look up though, and out of my driver's side window, there's this pickup truck sitting there that I did not ever see pull up. It has one of those big steel frame structures around the bed of the truck. I don't know what they're called, but I associate them with hunters or trappers. Mind you, I have no idea whatsoever if that's an accurate association or not. I do feel like I have seen them though, or something similar, holding kennels with hunting dogs, so maybe that's where I got the idea from. In any case, there is this very stereotypical chubby redneck mullet type guy looking into my window at me, smiling, a creepy smile. He was the passenger. I didn't or couldn't really look past him to the driver. I have no idea how long they were sitting there, but I very quickly debate winding down my window and asking what they wanted, but settled on putting my car into drive, driving around their truck and down the street. I was so freaked out that I didn't immediately go home, in fact. I went somewhere else and pulled over, looked around to see if they were anywhere to be seen, and then I actually went back to the fishing spot to see if they were still sitting there or not. I didn't pull over, mind you. I just drove by, but they were not there. It will drive me crazy wondering why they pulled over. Did they have something bad planned? Were they just curious? Wanted to help? Will I have to worry about seeing them around town after driving off on them like that? I realized that my reaction was not completely fair. They could have been just pulling over to fish. Although, you've got to realize how small this fishing hole is. It's a literal fishing hole on the side of the road. It's probably about the size of a, a dining room or something. They could have been pulling over to see if I needed help or something. Who knows? All I know is that I was thinking that if I wind down the window to find out what they want, I could end up with a gun in my face for all I know, and then I would not get a chance to just drive off. So I drove off without acknowledging them in any way so that I didn't miss my chance. Even now I worry about the fact that my car has some slightly identifying marks, nothing crazy noticeable but just small stickers in the window, and that I ticked them off by driving off like that or something and they live around here. What if my wife meets up with them at some point? What if she has my daughter with her? Am I just being paranoid? I don't know. I'm still a little freaked out by the whole experience because it was weird, to say the least. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.